The mystery gang are invited to an island to investigate mysterious incidents happening. Once there, they wind up having to solve a mystery potentially involving actual monsters. Hello, everyone. I'm Carol Leger. I'm Connor Azagiri. And welcome to an episode of Beyond the Bed. Today we'll be talking about the, at the time, long-awaited live-action adaptation of one of the most beloved cartoons of all time, 2002's Scooby-Doo. A film which would be a huge box office success and going to be embraced by the fandom in more recent years. I don't necessarily know about when it came out, but I know more recent years it's embraced a lot more. Um, yet it would get absolutely destroyed by critics. You apparently can't just be kids anymore, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's it's weird. Like you're not allowed to have fun if you're a film critic. Like if it's either Citizen Kane or absolute garbage, there's no middle ground. It's it's weird and it's annoying and I hate it. It's actually it's why I started Filmgasm because we were like we're tired of this shit. Let's let's we want a fan, you know, response to this stuff. <laughs> yeah, I like that. It's Citizen Kane or we walk. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's it's either yeah. the greatest movie of all time or it's not worth my time. <laughs> yeah, and it's like it's kind of like where I say like look, uh. I'll, it's gonna be a hot takes. I know this is a contentious film series to do it with, but you know, like the Transformers film series, you know, like look, I'm not gonna say they're great fucking like pinnacles of filmmaking. It's fucking Michael Bay. Let's just be honest here. But do I have a good time with the first three films? Are they entertaining for me? Can I just turn my brain off and enjoy? Yes. And there's nothing wrong with films like that. Absolutely nothing wrong. Yeah, those first three are entertaining and rewatchable, and I'll put them on, but they're all shit. But those first three are, you know, if I got nothing going on and I got two hours and I have some popcorn, why not? <laughs> yeah, and there's plenty of films I like like that. So you would be like, no, this isn't quote unquote high art, but I'm entertained by it. And high art can go fuck itself. Movies are designed to be entertained. That's the bottom line. It's my bottom line. Yeah, they're just meant to make you disappear from the real world for a second. Um. Yeah, I don't want to get too into it. I'll get, you know, obviously as we go along with this. But yeah, I horrendously disagree with critics on this one. This, I, you know, it's been a while since I've seen this film. Um, I saw it when it came out as a kid because I love Scooby-Doo. Um, but I remember liking it as a kid. You know, I saw the sequel and liked it also. But it's been years since I've bought touch these films. So watch this again. I'm like, no, this film fucking holds up. Like, oh, yeah, okay. It has a fart joke, but I'm laughing still because it's funny. Sorry, I can laugh at first as much as like, you know, a smart, uh, quick-witted comeback in a comedy film. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Uh, yeah, I, it's been... I, I really liked this film as a kid. I, I saw this at the movies, and I was like, Scooby-Doo! And uh, I think my mom wanted to see it because she was a big Buffy fan at the time. And uh, I, got, I got the DVD for my birthday or something, and I watched it all the time, and... I saw part two at the movies and then never saw it again. So I don't remember Monsters Unleashed like at all. But uh, this this film stayed with me. I bought the I bought a Blu-ray double feature. Like I just I like this movie. I don't give a shit. Yeah, it 
Yeah, crazy snowflake says what not else stop being around the bush. What was the score for uh that the critics gave it? Yeah, there is a reason Scooby Doo is being talked about on this show, and that is the 32% Rotten Tomatoes score it's rocking, and the 39% audience score that it's rocking, which surprised me. Uh critics consensus reads though Lillard is uncannily spot on as Shaggy. Scooby-Doo is a tired live-action update filled with lame jokes. And Rotten Tomatoes, go fuck yourselves. Because that, that's ridiculous. Did you watch it? I don't think you watched it. Hey. It's like they just can't laugh any, at themselves. You know what I mean? They just can't enjoy a fucking mindless entertainment. No. You've got a perfectly cast group of, char- of characters. You've got a Scooby-Doo-esque plot as you know good as it can get. You've got a great twist at the end where it's fucking Scrappy is the bad guy. Like, and it's loaded with, you know, early 2000s stupid bullshit, which is just yeah. hilarious now. And if you pay attention, it's very evident that the people making this are fans. There's tons of Easter eggs and jokes and references made to the original series and its various incarnations. This is written by James Gunn, like the king of modern pop culture, really. Like, he's he knew what he was doing. The fact that the studio stepped in and said you can't make an R-rated Scooby-Doo is not out of, you know, it's out of our hands. But I think the finished product yeah. is decent. Yeah. If anything, they should have told him before they filmed an R-rated version, but that's beside the point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but I like when we get to defend a movie that we don't think is, you know, that we think is unjustly demonized. And Scooby-Doo is definitely one of those films. No, oh, yeah. I mean, look, because before this, you know, they didn't have a big screen adaptation now they did have success in the animated film realm obviously you know for those who know obviously like many scooby fans absolutely love you know zombie island cyber chase um uh, alien invaders there you go and the one that takes place in arizona you know a lot of those early ones are really really good and hold up um and it's actually something that's still continuing to this day i mean you know in recent years for those who like the 13 ghosts of scooby-doo they did a finally did a fucking finale movie that did the 13th ghost so that got solved you know in a re- in the very recent one um that caused a lot of controversy online and guys just shut up about it like it, get over it but you know in a recent one Vilma has been confirmed as being lesbian bisexual and of course you know people got an uproar as if let's just be honest she wasn't she's been coded like that for kind of a while like People picked up on it. They just finally said, yes, she is. Like, it's confirmed, yes. Should have been confirmed in 2002, because that was in James Gunn's first draft. Yep. Yeah, oh, we'll get into it when I talk about it. There's a lot of interesting stuff that, like, is now canon in Scooby-Doo. But or... I think, just real quick, I think you got to have an empty fucking life and you're a very hateful person if you give any kind of shit about the sexual orientation of a cartoon character. Yeah. And then stop trying to hide behind it. What about the children? So what? Who cares? Yeah, let's be honest. The children aren't watching this one. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it's not for the upcoming animated, like, adult one. It's for, like, a recent animated film that was meant for the family. That's what oh. caused it before. Well, in that case, I still don't care. Just tell your kid what a gay person is. Yeah, also, you guys act as if there aren't gay, lesbian, non-binary, queer children alive friends kids like they exist and they want to be seen these assholes always act like it's the first time every time and ugh, i hate them 
Yeah, it's it's annoying. It causes uh, if you want to check it out, I think it's called Trick or Treat Scooby Doo. I believe it was the title, and because it was made, it was a Halloween one, and it's on HBO Max. So it is rarely available on the same service that nicks the the completed Scoob prequel. Um, it's on the same service. Uh, so if you want to check out what everyone's going crazy about, you can. Um, the one you're mentioning is also going to be an HBO Max special or not special uh, series next year that is taking a more adult oriented take on the character, which has caused some controversy, not like this one, but just because, you know, obviously people are like, oh, Scooby's not in it. And they explained that that was a mixture of two things. Um, the studio kind of saying like, hey, you can't use Scooby in this case, I think because of the more adult approach and also then because it's going adult, obviously they had to. A lot of the characters are more mature, things like that, right? And they were like, look, we really just can't figure out a way to fit, make the talking goofy dog mature. So, sorry. We have all the other characters, just not him. I love their rationale is that the older you are, the less likely you are to have a dog. (laughs) I mean, just keep Scooby goofy and childish and have everyone around him be an adult. Yeah, I mean, but like I said, I think a lot of it was mostly because the studio kind of came in on them and was like, uh, no. I get that. You gotta yeah. have something to separate the adult show from the rest of the giant catalog of kids Scooby Doo stuff. Yeah. So I mean, hey, I'm still going to check it out. I'm very curious on an adult take on it personally, um, and especially because it will have all the other people. I know Glenn Howerton from Always Sunny is voicing one of the characters. Ah. Um, yeah. So it's like I'll I'll give it a shot. I'm very curious on what they do with it and to see what they're going to make out of it. Um. But before we get more into this, because I don't want to spoil the question too much. So obviously, as you can, you guys can't tell already, we're both Scooby-Doo fans. I know you're a big Scooby-Doo fan. I'm a big Scooby-Doo fan. And so my question is kind of a two-part. Um, and that is, well, first off, what got you into um, Scooby-Doo? And then follow that up. To, I don't know your reference to the various, how many of the various incarnations of the shows you've seen. But based on what you have seen, as far as I know what you've seen, what has been your favorite incarnation outside of the original show? If you have one outside of the original series. Okay. Good questions. Um, well, when I was a kid, I, you know, I watched boomerang a lot. The like older cartoon cartoon network channel. I don't know if it's still around. I think it might be. It is. I think it's like a streaming service now. Oh, well, I'll have to look into that. Um, and Scooby-Doo, where are you? was always on boomerang. So I would watch it all the time and I liked it. And I had on tape uh, Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost, which is still my all time favorite Scooby-Doo movie. You know, Tim Curry as a Stephen King ripoff artist, like writer. You got the Hex Girls. You got the real ghost. You got Salem. Like, it's great. And um, that's probably my favorite still to this day. Um, I also I have that on DVD now, as well as Zombie Island, Alien Invaders and Cyber Chase, which for some reason, I guess we all agree are the, the best ones. <laughs> yeah, I think this is our childhood. I've heard a lot of the like onwards. Like, I know there's like there's a lot of an, uh, animated movies they've done. I've heard yeah. most of them are actually still like really good. I haven't really heard anyone bitch about them. They seem to be keeping the same consistent quality of what it's supposed to be. But I think it I think it what's. And this could just this is how I kind of come up with. I think we all agree because it's what we grew up on. I think that's kind of a way what's kind of special about them having so many animated cartoons that for different people, they can grow up on a certain batch that's special to them. 
because that's what they grew up on. Or obviously, like I said, they get kind of wacky and fun with it, and they do something like conclude a show that was a beloved incarnation of the show and say, hey, people have been wanting conclusion to this, you know, the 13th ghost, so let's do a movie file. Let's do the animated film filing and give them that conclusion. They did. Yeah, that's nice. It's, you know, it's a celebrated property that generations have loved. Um, So outside of the original show, uh, when I was a kid, I liked um, a pup named Scooby-Doo. It's like the Muppet Babies version. Yeah, yeah, I used to love that one too. I liked that one. I remember there was one episode where like, uh, a fast food guy was trying to market like food in a in a bag, but then KFC came out with food in a bucket, and he was like just destroyed. And so his vengeance was like, I'm gonna get the colonel, and I'm gonna be a ghost. And I I don't know why that one stuck. I just thought like I mean, even then I was like, who would want to eat their food out of a sack? Like that's not a good idea. <laughs> but um, it's terrible. There was, <laughs> there was that, and then my favorite one was the new Scooby Doo movies. Or they would have random celebrity guests. Oh yeah, those were good. Yeah, those were like good. Scooby Doo and Abbott and Costello solve a crime, or Don Knotts or Adam West. Like it was, it, I thought that was cute. I liked that. There was one with the Adams family. Like it was, yeah. it it works especially because they were clearly taking range of like how popular it was at that time. Um, yeah. I know there was a period where the the ratings declined for a bit. Obviously, you no, know, it happens. But that was like peak, like in its original kind of run, early years, peak, like everyone's just like, oh my God, Scooby Doo. So they were like, hey, we can do a show where like we get real life special guest stars to come in and voice their character, you know, their actual people. And obviously, if you watch it, they're aware of who they are, the gang is aware of they are, the famous people are usually aware of who they are. It's a really neat little thing they did. And yeah, I know it. It works, especially take kind of coding on the tails of like, hey, we're really successful. People know who this is, who what this property is. Like, why not have fun with it? Yeah, and those always stuck. There was one where Scooby Doo met Batman, and that was exciting. That was like, oh, it's Batman. I mean, it was Adam West Batman, but still, it was Batman. Yeah, um, so something. Yeah, it was great. That's about where I stopped, though. I never watched uh, what's new Scooby Doo or anything oh, after that. What's new was good. Because, I mean, it was basically Scooby-Doo, where are you? But just with modern, you know, at the time, I would say yeah, modern, but at the time, modern animation, graphics, all that stuff. But it was still just basically, like, a revamped Scooby-Doo, where are you? So I, I remember I fucking loved it. I watched that one all the time. I love, I think Blink-182 did the fucking song for it. <laughs> and it was so catchy. I loved cool. it. What's new Scooby-Doo? da 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I um, I've always thought it was cute. I liked a lot of the early stuff, and I've I've kept the movies with me, pretty much my whole life. So, I still watch those all the time. Uh, one movie I remember I've been trying to get a hold of. You remember Scooby Doo and the Ghoul School? Yeah, I used to I used to catch it on TV. Yeah, I liked that one. It was it was only Shaggy and Scooby. The rest of the gang wasn't there, and it was like a school of weird freaks, like the Mummy's Kid and Dracula's Kid and whatnot. And they were like the good guys, and Scoop, like Shaggy and Scooby, had to help some monsters stop a worse monster. It was it was cute. Yeah, um, yeah, no, I remember that one. Yeah, I, I'm kind of like, uh, I don't remember. so I remember how I got into this whole the whole Scooby Doo run was like, you know, obviously growing up, getting into things like Goosebumps, Are You Afraid of Dark, all that stuff. Obviously, my mom kind of caught wind that I was into this stuff, and my mom was a it's a huge Scooby Doo fan. She loves Scooby Doo. Um, 
and she would, you know, on Boomerang or Cartoon Network, you know, for those who don't remember, because Cartoon Network I don't think does it anymore, but used to have a block in the morning, and this actually was precur- this was the precursor to Boomerang. This was before they even had Boomerang. Then they got Boomerang, and they switched it all to that. Before that, in the mornings, they would show old cartoons like Flintstones, Shetsons, uh, Racky Races, Scooby-Doo, like all that stuff. Yeah, they would uh, they'd show all that Yogi Bear, like anything like an older Hanna-Barbera cartoon party was shown during a certain block of every morning. Um, again, eventually it just got translated over to Boomerang when they launched that. Um, but I would catch it on there when I could. And I just, I loved it, you know, for a young horror lover, like these guys solving horror mysteries. And, you know, and obviously what I love about the show so much was they, they knew how to be scary, but still have fun. Because at the end of the day, you knew, oh, it's just a guy in a mask. We just got to figure out who it is in the mask, you know? So there was that, that safety net as a kid getting into horror with this with this property, which they completely destroy you with. If you go in to watch Scooby-Doo and Zombie Island, and they're like, no, these are real, which is probably why that's my, my personal favorite animated film. Cause as a kid, I was like, Oh my God, they're real. Oh my God. Like I, I, I watched the living shit out of zombie Island. Could not stop. Um, yeah, the big shock of like, Oh shit, this is a real monster. And that movie goes hard into that arena. Like, I mean, you've got, I remember the, like the were cats or something that like burst out of the human bodies. Yeah, like the flesh rips open, and <laughs> this is for children. <laughs> yeah, they made a sequel to it recently called Return to Zombie Island. I want to see if it's uh, if it holds up. Yeah, I heard, but they also did a crossover with Courage the Cowardly Dog. Yeah, I do remember that. And then for those who like Supernatural, they did, there was a Supernatural Scooby Doo crossover that was one hundred percent worth it. That's right, I remember that. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> That was oh, one of the best episodes. I was so happy. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, and you know, that was kind of like my early one of my early begin. It was one of my early beginnings in the horror. You know, watching that original show in the movie, and the movies. You know, eventually my mom picked up like the DVD set. Now I got the Blu-ray set of the original run Scooby Doo Rory. I'm going to see what I can get on the other incarnations if I can get my hands on them. Um, and we would I would. Fucking, I remember that DVD set, man. I put on all the time, especially during October. I was always like, "Oh, let's watch Scooby." I want to watch Scooby Doo, like always watch Scooby Doo. Um, and I would say, you know, and obviously that loves continuing well into my adulthood. Um, and I would say, as far as like outside of the show, right? So outside of that original show, I'm with you on the new Scooby Doo movie and a pup named Scooby Doo. I was, I remember, I really liked those two. You know, I remember my mom hated a pup named Scooby. Like the, the, she found it so annoying, and I loved it. I'd watch it all. I remember when I, when I used to look when I was sick from school. Sometimes I used to, I knew by heart when it would come on. I'd be like, oh my god, a pup named Scooby would be is on, and I'm sick. I can see it today. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so those were good. I also really, really dug, um, like I said, uh, what's new Scooby Doo? I did dig a lot. I liked it a lot. I would watch a lot of those episodes. Um, and also, I was a big into the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. Um, I like that one a lot, even though I never got my ending. And I f- haven't watched the movie, even though I know the ending exists. <laughs> but I like that. Um, I probably should ask the least favorite. I don't know if you have a least favorite. But like, I do know, like for me, I, any episode with Scrappy, I fucking turned off. I'm in the camp that just cannot stand Scrappy. I feel like that's the only camp. I've never met anybody who liked Scrappy-Doo. 
Josh, everyone talk to hates Josh. Scrappy Doo. Hmm? Talk, talk to Josh. He likes Scrappy. Put that on, on record. He likes Scrappy. Ah, oh, dude. Why? I almost want you to go get him and ask why. <laughs> like, that's insane. <laughs> I was like, I haven't heard anyone ever say that in their lives about Scrappy. God, he was so annoying. I yeah, anytime Scrappy was, I think I would actively just be like, no Scooby Doo today. As soon as yeah. Scrappy showed up, I'd be like, I'm watching Samurai Jack today. Yeah, I'll put on Courage or Ed and Eddie. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I dude, I like Scooby's cousin better. What was it like, Mutt Dudley Doo or something like that? I don't remember. He's, like, he's very clearly like stupid country cousin should have called him scooby don't scooby don't <laughs> but uh honestly like outside of like what i watched i don't really know much about everything else like i've, I've never heard of the 13 ghosts of scooby-doo oh dude it had vincent uh it had vincent price if i recall correctly as like the wizard that they're working with that was like the big draw was that they got vincent price oh my god okay maybe i gotta check this one out yeah, I won't try to look it up right now if I can. Oh, okay. I'm looking it up. I want to just narrate this to keep going, but I'm almost positive it was, yep, Vincent Price. He paid Vincent Van Gogh. <laughs> of course he did. I will say, it does have Scrappy in it, but everything else is so good that that's the one time I forgave it. Okay. Yeah, Emmer, I would watch it going, this is really good, but Fuck you, Scrappy, so much <laughs> as a kid. The only puppy I've ever hated. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know, obviously, who they got to play him in the animated film, play that character, because obviously Vincent Price had, you know, had long passed since then. But yes, that was I remember that was like the big draw, and, and it, that was even my mom. She she hated Scrappy, but she I remember she came and she goes, "Oh my gosh, that Vincent Van, uh, Vincent Price." Voice and you know, little young know, means like, who's Vincent Price, Mom? <laughs> <laughs> That's now cool. I know the book. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, as far as movies, yeah, zo- that first batch, I really enjoy the, you know, Zombie Island and Cyber Chase and Alien hmm. Invaders. Really. Another one I had on DVD, like right when I was starting to grow up and think, like, I want to watch scarier stuff. Was Scooby Doo and the Loch Ness Monster? You remember oh, that one? I remember that one. Yeah, yeah, that was neat. I kept waiting for the real monster because it's you know, it's revealed that like the Loch Ness Monster is just like a submarine or something, and some Scottish dude is like, you know, I would have gotten away with it too, but that didn't happen. Like your meddling kids. Yeah, <laughs> I think at the end you get like a flipper as they're leaving Scotland, and they go like, oh, maybe it's real, but. Mm. I wanted, I wanted like the Loch Ness monster to like fight the fake one and save them. You saw Scooby, you saw uh, Alien Invaders, and because I forgot Alien Invaders did have actual aliens at one point, I believe. Um, yeah, like the hot chick Zombie Shaggy's in love with, and the and her dog are actually aliens. <laughs> aliens, yeah. And Zombie Alley went, okay, this is clearly what we're doing, so give it to me. And then everybody went, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no. It was like the Loch Ness monster they're fighting the whole movie is just a van, and then at the end, it's like, well, there might be something, but we don't get any kind of... It's Scooby-Doo. I don't know why I'm complaining about this. <laughs> yeah. I do remember uh, when we had the... This is, going to, this is going to date me right here. When we had the PlayStation 1, um, 
we had a Scooby Doo and a Cyber Chase like game that yeah. my brother played endlessly. I was so entertained by it. I rented that from Hollywood Video and I couldn't get past the first level. There was like a place where you had to jump and I couldn't fucking get the angle right and I died every time and I was just like, I don't want to play this anymore and I returned it. <laughs> but I remember that game. Yeah. I remember me, yeah, yeah. Maybe mostly me. My brother was as into it because he didn't like Scooby-Doo like I did, but yeah, I remember we played that endlessly. Um, as far as like I have looked up some of the uh ongoing and upcoming stuff. Um, I heard you know they have a new show going on on that boomerang thing. I think they ported it over to HBO Max. And it sounds like a it sounds like how what's new Scooby Doo was a essentially a revamp Scooby Doo where are you? This new one, I think it just ended, I believe. But it sounded like it sounded like a revamped the new Scooby Doo movies. It had like guest stars on it. They're solving mysteries for guests, so it sounded like they just revamped um the new Scooby Doo movies. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head because they have so many of these. I think it was called Be Cool Scooby Doo. That was a prior one, but um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, when I was when I was like six years old, five or six. It was pre K, whatever age you are in pre K. I it was the first time I ever had friends over for my birthday party, and my mom got me a scoop a giant Scooby Doo cake. And I remember that because I was thinking, Scooby-Doo cake. Oh, my God. And uh, I took the I had the topper. It was Scoot. It was like Shaggy with Scooby in his arms looking scared. And I had that topper for like a long, long time because I was so like excited that day. I remember that. that. That just that just came into my mind. Like I hadn't thought about that in a long time. I'm glad you shared that intimate memory with me. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, no, that's that's neat. Like, um, I actually am trying to remember if I had anything. I know I had some Scooby Doo related stuff growing up. I just, my mind's just betraying me right now. Of course. Um, no, I do know. Like I said, as far as upcoming stuff to do, like, I looked it up. Um, they have a one minute that's going to get, get geared towards like pre K. Uh, it's going to be very like even more childish and usual take on the character, which is fine. You know, obviously this is a the series has been going on since like 1969, I believe, is when Scooby Doo Where Are You premiered. So, uh, the 60s, I'll just blanket it with the 60s. Um, so it's been going on a long time. I get that. Like, hey, let's experiment a little bit. Let's see about doing something geared more towards a younger audience that we can theoretically kind of grow with, right? Um, and then obviously the one I mentioned earlier, it's, it's called Velma, the more adult oriented. Like I said, that one I mentioned, I definitely want to check it out. Just gonna say, hey, why not? It's been like I said, it's been around for a long time. Experiment, have some fun, see if like people like ourselves who grew up with it, and even older people that grew up with it, respond to this more adult take on it. Did you see Scoob? I haven't seen that yet because I've heard it's like barely an actual, actually barely a Scooby Doo movie and more like a Hannibal Barra movie. It is. I I haven't seen it either, but I heard like Captain Caveman and Dick Dastardly are in it, so it's basically a wacky racist movie. Yeah, and I'm like, look, I don't. That's what's held me away. Well, I'm like, I wanted Scoob, a Scooby Doo movie, not a Hannibal. Don't get me wrong, like I like a lot of Hannibal Barra cartoons. I just didn't. If you want to make that, then make it. Just don't call it Scoob. Um, I know they have like a comic, like a Scooby Doo comic. It's like again, it's like an adult mature take where they're like in the apocalypse and have to like fight monsters and stuff. 
I would love a crossover with like like Friday the 13th or something. Like Scooby going after a slasher. I think that would be a like that's a comic or something. I think that would be really fun. That would yeah, I'd be I'd be down with that. Hey, comics are limitless. I'd be down for that because we're not getting the fucking Scoob prequel. Even though I didn't see Scoob, we're not getting that prequel because you know the chaos at WB side to axe that movie to save fucking cost cutting and cost cutting measures. Apparently, the director just said fuck it and finished the film anyway. Yeah, I heard it's finished, but I'm like, that's awesome. When's it coming out? Because apparently, no one can see it right now there, bud. And there's no way you're getting it out of WB's hand because they own the entire property. He's gonna leak that shit. He'll do some something will happen. That's what I'm thinking with all these completed films that are getting axed. Some disgruntled employee is waiting for the day they get fired, and they're gonna just drop all this shit online. That would be in Twitter, man. Chaos on there right now. Um. Oh god, but yeah, that is um. That's kind of like where where I stand with Scooby Doo, my love. What I like. You know, and, you know, and I'm always looking forward to like how they can, how they'll figure out how to keep this series going. This is the fact that it's lasted so long; it's very, very special. Um, because it's it's found a way to keep bringing in new generation of people, and they who each have something. Some and with the different incarnations, obviously they have a different thing that is their favorite that they can get into that they enjoy. You know what I mean? And that's truly something special. Um, and. Again, you know, I'm such, you know me, I'm a big proponent of gateway horror, right? Things that you can ease yourself into. Because obviously you don't want to just fucking be like, I'm going to watch a Serbian film and that's where I'm starting. Don't do that. Um, But things like Goosebumps and Are You Afraid of Dark? And on the cartoon side of it, you know, growing up and seeing things like Courage of Cowardly Dogs, Scooby-Doo. They were ways to kind of get me interested and go like, I like this material. And especially in more so with Goosebumps. Less so with Goosebumps and Artifact Duck, more so with Scooby Doo and things like Courage. There was the safety net of it being a cartoon, and Scooby Doo, the safety net of like they would unmask. You knew at the end of the episode they're going to unmask. You know that's why I said it was just a shock when you go to see Zombie Island as a kid. And you're like, all right, what's who's doing it? And it's like, oh shit, no, those are real. You know, and the fact they come in that it's yeah, it you know this is a very special property. I'm so happy it's still going, and that you know more the newer generations can get into and gravitate towards it and latch onto it. And I just hope it go keeps going for another hundred or so years, you know? Yeah, totally, man. It's always fun to get to enjoy the same stuff you loved as a kid and get to see it grow into something similar, but different enough to stand out. And yeah, that's neat. I always like Scooby-Doo. Yeah. And you know, obviously the best, for me was the original cartoon but you know i wanted to make it more interesting because i know if i said what's your favorite incarnation we both say oh scooby-doo where are you so i was like no 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 let's have some fun and talk about stuff outside the original show for once my favorite little detail about the entire scooby-doo universe is that scooby-doo's full name is scoobert dubert yeah also that like if you ever buy like the scooby-doo where are you complete series that it has the third season of the show but really, that was when they called it, like, I think, like, the new Scooby-Doo show or something like that. And it was, like, technically a new incarnation, but it only, I think, lasted, like, a season. So I remember that. Yeah. yeah they I just, have that because you gave me your DVD when you traded up. Yeah, yeah, I did. Because I, I was like, they have a Blu-ray motherfucker. I want the Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so they just took those episodes and they put them in. And they're like, yeah, it's the third season. I'm like, whatever. It's fucking what I'm supposed to Scooby-Doo. 
Yeah, they did the same thing with Batman the Animated Series when they rebranded it the new Batman Adventures and it lasted one season. So they just made that the fourth season of Batman the Animated Series when they released the set. <laughs> it's always like cool, but then like they never, they obviously aren't going to change the opening credits. So like, especially if you watch Scooby-Doo, it's a different opening credit sequence to reflect the different incarnation. You're like, oh, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> nope. So they've redesigned every character with Batman. It's like everyone is looks completely different. You had to start to like the voice cast is still the same, but you have to start guessing like who is that? Oh, that's Poison Ivy. Oh, that's Killer Croc. Looks weird. Like, yeah, and I mean it's not bad. It's just very much a different show. Yeah, yeah. It's like wait a minute. I did hear speaking of which. I think I just saw online they are getting ready to do that separate, like have an actual Blu-ray release of the new Adventures of Batman. Well, I hope it's cheap because it's one season. <laughs> Yeah, I would. You know what I would fucking kill for a complete like. Probably say I would say up to pup have like what's new be like what's new Scooby onward be like a you know the modern version, but up to pup be like one just big massive Scooby Doo collection. If they could pull that off, I'd fucking fork out the money. Have they released like a pup named Scooby Doo and the new Scooby Doo movies on? Yeah, so you can get them in their various incarnations and uh. Sets not not all are on Blu-ray, but they do have like I think they all have DVD sets that you can pick up. Okay, that's good. Yeah, so you can you can actually you can like technically and DVDs are cheap nowadays anyway, so you can you can work your way up actually and kind of work on getting all of them. I think the you know like yeah I think I saw a Puppeting Scooby Doo has DVD set. The Thirteen Ghosts obviously last season just only has a DVD set. Um. I know I don't want to say the new Scooby movies did get poured over to Blu-ray, so I think those are on Blu-ray. Um I can't remember what else. Yeah, I'm gonna be watching some Scooby Doo movies tonight. <laughs> I'm gonna watch like an episode of uh Yellowstone because I only gotta watch the first episode. If I have time. But I would definitely be watching so much more Scooby Doo, even though it's getting into Christmas. Um there's Christmas episodes. Uh with that, unless you, uh, I, I feel like we could probably elaborate just all night in our joy of everything Scooby Doo, and I'm sure the audience would love that because who doesn't love Scooby Doo? I feel like if you don't, you are a monster. Um, I'm kidding. It's it's okay if you don't like Scooby Doo. Although, why are you listening to an episode about Scooby Doo if you don't like Scooby Doo? I often wonder that. Like, I, I mean, we tailor these because we figure whoever's listening to this has seen the movie and either likes it or doesn't. So you're on board. We don't have, we don't have to explain anything. <laughs> and also, I might still think you don't have a heart if you don't like Scooby Doo. It's so goddamn enjoyable. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Without further elaboration, I say let's dig into the development hill because there's some. It's not beefy. Uh, it's I'd say mid size. It's a goodly portion mill, with some very interesting facts. All right. Yeah, cool. Let's let's dig into this average sized development hell. I like how you asked me because out of context, you were like, right before we record, why is this film aggressively horny? And then out of context, this averagely sized development hell. I feel like you're falling into the aggressively horny trap. I'm I've been there since we recorded the living daylights. I haven't left. Rock <laughs> <laughs> hard. Um <laughs> Ah, starting so this one came out in 2002. Um, starting all the way back in 1994, 
uh, producer Charles Roven began developing a live-action treatment of Scooby-Doo. Uh, by the end of the decade, uh, Warner, Bro- Warner Bros. would fast-track production of the film thanks to the combined popularity of the original cartoon at the time, along with the addition of the script and updated animation. So he had confidence in the popularity of the original show and what was being handed to them by the creatives. Okay. Looking good so yeah. far. Yeah, so looking good. Nothing nothing bad. Those are actually not too much bad. It's just a lot of interesting stuff that happened. Um I and the name I'm about to say is exactly who you think it is. Are you ready? Yeah. Mike Myers was reported to be co writing the script oh. with Jay Kogan in July of nineteen ninety eight. I'm not doing Mike Myers, but we'll get to him again later. Mike Myers has started so many projects <laughs> you ever hear this the sprockets story no you remember no. sprockets from saturday night live the like german fashion shit with mike yeah, Myers? Yeah, yeah well he was supposed to make a sprockets movie and he wrote the script and then backed out because he didn't like the script but he wrote it he wrote said script nobody it, it didn't make any sense so in order to make them like they were deep into production like they had to cancel a lot of they lost money so by in response mike myers had to do three films for universal and the final film was the cat in the hat (laughs) so yeah if he hadn't backed out of the sprockets movie we would never have that trashy disaster he probably he may have still had a career if you ever watch the outtakes of the cat in the hat, he is visibly pissed off the whole time. He hated doing that movie so much. <sighs> I mean, yeah, it's not a good movie. And I mean, I like to think his downfall was a mixture of very bad movie choices, obviously, with yeah. the cat in the hat and uh, the love guru. Um, and his his uh well known assholery. I, I think it was more that. Because, you know, Will Ferrell's had a lot of films bomb, but he's still here. <laughs> Cause I, yeah, because he's supposedly really funny and fun to work with on set. Yeah. I, honestly, I, The Cat in the Hat is like, I cannot <laughs> wait to do that here. I'm I'm, I'm, uh, I'm counting down the days. I want to do The Cat in the Hat so bad. I've been holding off as much as I can because I don't want to revisit that movie. Um, there's someone, I forgot, it was one of the bloopers. I Just because we mentioned Will Ferrell. Uh, at work, we were, it was making the rounds that so, the on the blooper reel, there's a part where like in Anchorman two, when he's like coming up with different jokes about how he's blind, <laughs> and he compares like how he's trying to masturbate and ejaculate. <laughs> he compares it to like Pompeii, but instead of ash, it's it's his you know his 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 calm. But as he's trying to say it, Paul Rudd is dying. Like you see him like smiling, like laughing, like trying to hold it back, which is causing Roll Ferrell to fucking laugh, and he can't finish the joke. <laughs> and he finally finally has a moment where he finishes it, where he's like, it's, and he says like, it was just a whole lot of frothy ejaculate, or something like that. <laughs> like warm, hot, frothy ejaculate, like very descriptive. And as soon as he says it, they finally all start dying completely. Like, they finally got it out. Yesterday, I stumbled onto the gag reel for Step Brothers. And it's nine minutes. Not a single joke in there is in the movie. That whole movie is improvised to death. 
But my favorite moments are when Will Ferrell and John C. Riley makes when they make Richard Jenkins and Mary Steenburgen collapse, because <laughs> those are the best moments. Oh yeah, that's that's what's fun, and that's why I say like you can tell with like him and a lot a lot of the group that troop he worked with from the early two thousands. Um, that's the thing, right? Like Mike Myers has been reported he went out of his way to be an asshole, even though you're supposed to laugh at his shit, and obviously, but he found a way to just be a complete asshole. Those guys. You laugh at their shit, and then you hear stories that they know what they're doing, and they would do things like that. Be like, "Oh, well, let's just keep riffing so we can make our co-stars just fucking lose it." Yeah, yeah. And also, Mike Myers hasn't changed his shtick in thirty years. It's the same shit. I watched an episode of the Pentaveret. Mm-hmm. Same dumb shit he's been doing since the nineties. Like, there's no change up. He's making the same like "hello" jokes and all that. Like, he hasn't he hasn't updated anything. That's what I heard, too. Like, I haven't watched that because I was like, I remember when I got the first show, I was like, he might be back. And then the reviews came in. Um, And I heard and I heard heard from a lot of people like, yeah, he still does the same fucking, you know, tricks and jokes. I'm like, I'm like, dude, at this point, don't do Austin Powers for like, stop teasing me with that, because it's probably not going to be worth the wait. Just go away and live off the checks. We don't really want you back. Yeah, it's like, (laughs) but anyway. What was his contribution to Scooby-Doo? Well, so first was this writing. He was reportedly to be co-writing. There's more, but I'll get to that in the casting. So just hold on on that one. That sounds ominous. All right. (laughs) Yes. Moving forward, though, before we do that, by October of 2000, or as I put in my notes, apparently, 200, (laughs) because I was writing this really fast after we recorded the Filmgasm episode so I could keep our schedule. For reasons, um, the uh, the film was officially greenlit or lighted, whatever you call it. If you Navy people, in the Navy we say lighted, not lit, because of drug connotations. Um, oh my God, all right, not I have issues with that, but I won't bring them up here. <laughs> yes, uh, I think it's dumb too. That's all I'm gonna say. Um, it was greenlit with uh. I'm sorry if I butcher it, but the name you see on the screen, uh, Raha, I'm assuming is how you say his first name, uh, Gosnell, on board to direct. I'm looking him up. I uh, want to say Raha, because I feel like saying Raja is like the most white way to fucking say it. Unless I completely overthought it, and then I just said the most white way to say it. <laughs> well, the first thing in his trivia is, is entirely possible. The first thing in his trivia is, is often mistakenly assumed to be of South Asian origin. Probably because his name is Raja. I'm gonna go with Raja. All right. Well, Mr. Gosnell. I know that's how you say the last name. Uh Greenland with him on board to direct the film. Okay. You did a good job. Yeah, so the uh by the way, Mr. Gosnell, I'll say it like that, was on board to direct by when the film was greenlit. So everything is good to go, right? So Originally, because you're probably for those of you who watched this film, you probably know this was quite some adult. Not not the most heinous adult jokes, but it was quite a bit of jokes that you're like, how'd they get away with this joke? Originally, the film was set to have a much darker tone, um, essentially poking fun at the original series. You know, no, aha, let's have, think. Uh, for those who watched the Brady Bunch movie, think it like that, right? It was having a fun, not being mean, but you know, just having fun with it, and was actually originally set for a PG-13 rating by the studio. That could have been cool. Oh, 
Some elements that I'll get into included things like Shaggy being a very much stoner with many marijuana references, not being around the bush, just like, yeah, he's a stoner. Um, I need everyone to calm down this next one. Don't don't get too into it. But Sarah Michelle Geller and Linda Colleney sharing an on-screen kiss to have their souls switch back to their original bodies. Okay, well, I'm not going to complain. That's what I said. Everyone just calm down. Let's all just, all the guys, take a breath. Ah. Yeah, I'm not, look, I would not complain. I'm just saying. Um, And then uh, Fred being revealed to be gay, or Freddie Prince Jr. even going as far as portraying him as such. That would have been interesting. It makes sense because there are so many jokes about the fact just Ryan the ascot. Now, I... the book he wrote is called Fred on Fred. Is yeah, <laughs> it's honestly it's been a it's been a it's been a theory for a long time that Fred is gay. Do that, and granted, it's, it could be considered kind of offensive because it has everything to do with like the ascot and him being so fashionable and stuff like that. Um, but there's been rumors about that for like years within the fandom that Fred's actually gay. Well, I mean, he never really puts the moves on Daphne. I mean, he it almost goes in that direction a lot of times, but it never actually happens. No, even though he always makes sure they're alone together and she's supposed to be like the hot one in the group, yet apparently never doing anything. Yeah, there's something going on there. But I mean, I don't care. We literally just had a we just said earlier. Like, who the hell's going to care about the sexual orientation of a cartoon character? And here we are speculating over how gay Fred might be. Yeah. Difference is, we're not mad about it. That's the thing. People were mad about the whole Velma thing and trying to pull the whole children thing. I don't care. You want to make Fred gay? Make him gay. Let them all be gay. I don't care. It's cartoon. Yeah. Also fiction. I don't care. Yeah. Bring it on. Um, and then obviously, you know, there are rumors of various other aspects of the original cartoon series being incorporated into the live action film, which just makes sense. You're making this into a, you know, this is the first live action adaptation. Obviously, they're probably thinking about, hey, what can we bring from the original show to put into the, into the movie? Um, according to Geller, um, once the cast signed on, there was a change. And the film became much more family family friendly, even though some of the adult jokes are still in the finished film and even deleted scenes of the media releases. Yeah, like I'll always like I'll never understand why, you know, like there's a line where like when Fred's turned into a monster and he goes like the biatch was like, what? Like, I'm like, how did that make this cut? Yeah, it comes out of nowhere. I wasn't I was like, did you just say biatch? Yeah, random swear words pop into this movie, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, the whole thing when they switch bodies, and he's very... Fred in Daphne's body pulls the shirt to look at her boobs <laughs> and even says, I can look at myself naked. And, like, look, you know, you know, one of the reasons, other things that got me into this movie is, like, don't get... I, I think I brought it up that I had a massive crush on Sarah Michelle Gellar. As a kid, thanks to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So yes, there was no reason I went to go see this film. Other than my love for Scooby Doo, um, but even then, it's like let's calm down, guys. Let's all just take a break. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that was a bit much. 
Doesn't paint Fred in the best light? <laughs> Has that aged well? No, especially because... Well, I'll get into it in a minute, but because of how they portray them specifically in this film, which is like a first-person series, but you know, I'll get into that in a minute. Um, yeah, so it is funny that like, they clearly filmed something harder, but then it was like, oh, we are actually need to make the series like, hey, we need to make this family friendly, which is fine. Like, I see, I see arguments from both sides, right? Like, it would have been definitely cool to see a more adult oriented Scooby Doo, absolutely. But this is the first live action film, so I get the idea of like, no, let's make it more family friendly. Like, let's get the families in on this. Yeah, I get it. But also, like, you should have that discussion before you start casting and writing and filming. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and let's take it a step further, actually, before we get too into it. As you mentioned earlier, upon the 15th anniversary of this film, screenwriter James Gunn, yes, that James Gunn, ladies and gentlemen, he wrote for Trauma, he gave us Slither, Super, Guardians of the Galaxy, the Suicide Squad, and is currently leading the DC Universe into what should be greatness. And none of that would have that happened, James Gunn. not for Scooby-Doo. Yeah, that, that man wrote the script for Scooby-Doo. Um, and God, do we love him even more for it? He revealed there was actually an R rated cut of the movie filmed, not written, not just ca- filmed, R rated cut film, and CGI was used to remove cleavage of the female cast members. Hashtag release the gun cut. <laughs> it's time. We deserve it. Yeah, so why no discussion was made before they filmed? They just went, yeah, sure, we got James Gunn making an already cut. We got the guy who wrote for some trauma films? Yeah, absolutely. I think while the producer was on set and they were filming some very obvious cleavage, they had a moment of like, wasn't, I think this was, this was a kid's show, right? <laughs> Should we be doing this? I think that's got to be how it happened. They had to have a moment of like, oh boy, okay, that's a lot. <laughs> we we got to backtrack this. They just hear Fred like, you're like, oh, I don't want to fuck you so hard, Velma or Daphne. Wow. Well, you know what? Fine, fuck it, Velma. Um, and they the producer's like, oh, that kind of rated R. Like he just had a moment like, hmm, may not have Fred say that. That's not good. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, I want to see that that version. I. That's got to be locked in a vault somewhere. It or destroyed. Roshan's <laughs> Gun's just holding on to it. He's like, yeah, we filmed it. I'm not. I'm keeping it. What if this was his whole plan? Become a successful filmmaker, acquire DC pro- like films, all so he can be in a strategic position to release his version of Scooby-Doo. <laughs> That's what this is all about. That's the end game. I will get my... <laughs> I will get my already cut for the public to see. <laughs> he splices it into the next Batman movie. It's just like 20 minutes of Batman just and then it's just Scooby-Doo. Like... <laughs> yeah, and then also it's just like, and, but he does it like piece by piece at first before it becomes Scooby-Doo. So all of a sudden it's like, so I'm with Cher Geller as, as Daphne in a bikini out of the fucking blue. And I just see bikini, it's a thong bikini. So you're like, what the hell? What is going on here? And the next shot says Linda Carlini's cleavage. And you're like, okay, this is not the movie I paid for. But I'm going to stay. <laughs> <laughs> I came for Batman, but I'm staying for this. 
Bird's just in a fucking speedo. All of a sudden, you're like, wait, what? What? What is in that cut? I want to know what what he had in there, like what they had done to convince the producers, like, no, axe that, start over. Yeah, what the hell? Like, what'd he do with Shaggy and Scoob in this R-rated cut of the movie? They're probably just smoking up. That's it, I bet, with them. I don't know. I, I can speculate, but I bet Scrappy c- cursed a lot. Oh, probably. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Fucking Lloyd Kaufman probably had an actual cameo in the movie. Oh. <laughs> well, now let's move on to the casting. Now that we've had our fun with that, but yes, know that apparently out there is an already cut of this film. Ah, uh, on that note, the casting. Um, so it should be noted, I mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, noted, uh, sorry, it should be noted that actress Freddie Prince Jr. Michelle Geller, who played Freddie and Daphne, were or are romantically involved in real life. They were dating at the time of the making of this film. I think they met on I Know What You Did last summer, I believe. Um, yeah, um, and this is kind of a special one for I get two reasons. Um, one, that this would actually be the first time in the franchise's history where the characters would, would be portrayed as such. First time ever portrayed as someone that's romantically involved, um, which I think has been a consistent thing now going forward with a lot of the cartoons. Um, so, good job on the movie, Breaking Ground there. Yeah, I remember reading somebody, like, when they were dating, some producers t- told them, like, oh, I give it six months. And they've been together for like 20 years. Yeah, they're like the most under like under the radar power like Hollywood power couple. Like they I've I follow her on Instagram and it seems like they have a great marriage going on. So good for them. Um so I, yeah, I'm no I'm happy. And actually with that, nice little sweet thing in the real life is that was that um Again, because they were a couple in real life when they were doing this, they actually got married shortly after the film's release. So not until after the release, Fred and Daphne got married. That's great. So I wonder if they watch this on their anniversary. <laughs> Show their kids. <laughs> yeah. You want to see how mommy and daddy fell in love? It's a long story. There's a talking dog. There's monsters. There's a stoner in a green shirt. <laughs> Shaggy. So, shockingly enough, Matthew Lillard wasn't the first option to play Shaggy. Do you know he was the first option to play Shaggy? Who? Jim Carrey was originally attached. He was casted. I can see that. I can see him doing that. I don't think he'd be as good as Lillard, but I do think he would have been interesting. Yeah, I think uh, with Jim Carrey, it, I mean, you know, it would, I mean, obviously we're talking early Jim, you know, younger Jim Carrey here. I think it would have been fine. I think I, I just don't, it's just hard for me because Matthew Lillard embodies this role so much, like with the voice and the mannerisms that like, I feel like Jim Carrey would be distracting. It would be, you're, you're watching Jim Carrey. You're not yeah. watching Shaggy. He would have had top billing. It would have been over Scooby-Doo's name, Jim Carrey. Yeah, you're right. But Lillard is a good, he's a character actor who really committed to the role and really like embraced the, the voice, especially is so spot on. It's scary. 
Oh, it's very scary. <laughs> yeah. Um, but believe it or not, he Blair so wasn't next up. So guess you also expressed interest. Mike fucking Myers. No. I'm putting the kibosh on that. No. Yeah, absolutely not. No. <laughs> oh. That if you think Jim Carrey would have like to overshadowed and obviously have his name. The difference between the two is that Jim Carrey, I have heard pretty good things about over the years. He, so he probably wouldn't have had it get to his head. Mike Myers would have let that shit get to his head. He'd be like, no, my name's still on that fucking top billing. I am the star of this show. This is how I'm portraying Shaggy. You know what I mean? Like, he, he would have fucking overrode everything. Yeah. And Shaggy's supposed to be, you know, tall and lanky. Mike Myers is neither of those things. Yeah. At least Jim Carrey is tall and lanky. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. I think, yeah, Mike Myers would just cause all sorts of onset problems, and I don't think they would have made part two. Oh no. I, I think they I think they dodged a bullet. But still, with that said, still not Matthew Lillard. Um an actor by the name of Lachlan Monroe would all also audition for the role. Okay. I don't know who the hell that is. <laughs> Lachlan Monroe. Cool name. Lachlan Monroe, L O C H O Y N. Lachlan, the Scottish way. All right. Lachlan Monroe. Oh, he's on Riverdale. Oh, well, good for him. Oh, he's Greg in Scary Movie. Oh, hi. I know exactly who this guy is. I just didn't know his name. Okay, okay. I I like him, but I don't. I still don't see him for Shaggy, but I do like him. Um, but luckily, after these three damn names, the role would be ultimately given to Lillard, who has since become synonymous with the character. Um, he quickly became a fan favorite. He's continued voicing Shaggy in various Scooby Doo media, starting in 2010. And um, he even had no issues at poking fun at himself with this rolling cameo for Looney Tunes back in action where he did have a little bit of fun with it. I remember that when Shaggy's taking him to task. Like, you made me look like a fool. <laughs> I remember that. That was cute. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, obviously, you know, he's embraced it. The fans have embraced him. He, like you said, he he looks it. Like, he looks the part It's scary. And he sounds exact. I remember watching this when I was a kid. And even my parents being like, my mom going like, that guy is sounds exactly like Shaggy. It is, yeah. It's. I wonder what his uh, prep was because he really does just. It's so spot on. It's crazy. I'm. Yeah, he's the best one. He is, and I. I watched. I forgot what it was for. It wasn't for Scooby. It was for something else. He was attached to, and they were interviewing him. But he got brought up about Scooby Doo, and you know they they asked him. You know, are you thinking about retiring the character? Like, would you be willing for someone else to take it? Or he goes, look. He's like, I love playing this character. He goes, I'm going to keep doing it until they let me. But I'll understand when they want to find someone else. And I just wish them the best of luck and hope that they do just as good and love the character just as much. That's good. So like he's, he's very humble about it. He's very nice. He, yeah. He he likes playing the role. And he's, he's very humble about it. He's clearly very, you know, happy with the fan adoration that's come from it. And, you know values that i think i just, i'm sure it's like right up there with how he values his role in scream um 
with that. But I, I've heard from a lot of people Matthew Lillard is awesome. Like, I've heard not a single bad thing about that man. Yeah, neither have I. I'm just waiting for him to come back to scream. Yeah, he keeps teasing it, and hopefully it happens. Uh, until then, I would just always love seeing him pop up in something. Because, um, yeah, he's awesome and absolutely one of the best to ever take on the role of Shaggy. Um, so, as stated above, right, the film will get released. It did become a huge box office success, which, again, keep in mind the time it came out, folks. I know it's like $280 million, just shy of 300 When you make a film for like $84 million, and it makes that much. Yeah. See, that's the thing. That's the thing. A lot of these, when you, when you're like, how does a film that makes like black Adam recent example, how's a film that makes over 300 million to be considered a flop? Well, when they want to pay, you know, fork out $200 million to make a movie, they gotta make a lot of that money back. Yep. And, and this then is back when a, a film, could um, just, when you do it for 84 million yeah. and your biggest name actor is Rowan Atkinson. Yeah. You can get away <laughs> with that. Yeah, the film become a big success at the time. Uh, spawn a sequel uh, that unfortunately never got Scooby Doo three because it's box office, but that's for a later episode. Um, but from what I've heard, a lot, I know a lot of fans, especially around our age bracket, that kind of have reclaimed this film. Like we haven't been like, hey guys, it, why, why you hate it? We don't know. It's not that bad. So it has been reclaimed by a lot of people of our generation in recent years. And then, like you mentioned, right, critics on the other hand, um. You know, like we talked about, they praised Lillard's portrayal of Shaggy, but then kind of that backhand comment of like, well, it's a tired live action update filled with lame jokes, as if a lot of them were happening at the time. <laughs> I will say the trailer for this movie pissed me off. When I was a kid, I remember the trailer very distinctly because it starts out as a Batman trailer. It's yeah. It, and this was back when, you know, we weren't we didn't have Batman, really. Like Batman and Robin was the last thing. And we got um, it starts out with like go a camera going through Wayne Manor. The Batman music is playing the Burton Batman music and it goes like it pans to the window and there's a silhouette that looks like Batman. Then he turns around and it's fucking Scooby Doo. (laughs) And he said something like you were expecting someone else. And then it Scooby Doo coming this summer. And I was like, neat, but also fuck you. I think that's genius marketing. I love that they trolled people because I like trolling sometimes. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember that because just that was that was the first time a trailer ever like misled me, and I was like, "Oh my god, they're doing a new Batman!" No, wait, no, they're not. Nope, Scooby Doo. <laughs> not what you were hoping for. Ah, uh, well, yeah. Um, on that note, that's that's all you have for development hell. Um, let's get anything more to that. I say let's move on to our awards, which was a difficult one this week. Yeah, let's do this. Let's do it. So first up, the Zack Snyder, aka the universe that you are not fucking getting, DC fans. It's dead. All right, it's dead. Stop. It's not happening anymore. All of our scene, as we like to call it. What do you got? I ultimately just because I'm like, this film is not as dated as it could be, but there's one scene in this movie that traps this film in 2002, and it is when fucking Sugar Ray Sugar shows Ray. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Starts singing. It's not even his hit song, which kind of pissed me off. I'm like, this is not your hit song, Sugar Ray. Fuck you. 
Yeah. You want the one song. Yeah. It's not, they couldn't even buy uh, Fly. They had to play this nonsense. And it's just, it's such a 2000s MTV spring break bullshit scene. And I just, I hate it. I don't like Sugar Ray. I find them annoying. And they're in my movie. And I can't get them out. I feel like all Sugar Ray had to, the only thing that got him joy was that he got to get up close and personal with Michelle, Michelle Geller in that scene. He was probably like, oh my God, I was inches away from Buffy. <laughs> I just want to point out real quick, his name's Mark McGrath. The band's name is Sugar Ray. He's not Sugar Ray. Oh, you know, he's 100% Sugar Ray in my mind. I've never called him anything else. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I can't argue with that. But uh, you yeah. call a band fucking Sugar Ray. That's a solo band name. I mean, that is, is your, your name. If you're ever is is named after the boxer Sugar Ray Leonard. I imagine. That's no. I don't think it is. Do you, do you really think he? You really think he was that smart? I'm gonna. All right, you do yours, and I'm gonna look up where the hell Sugar Ray got their name from. <laughs> the man, not the man. I'm kidding. Uh. So for me, I picked. Simply put, and that was a good one though. I will give you before I say that that was that's good because yeah, that's the only scene that dates this fucking movie big time, is when Sugar Ray just pops out of nowhere. Um, for me, I went solely because I just mentioned earlier I don't like this character, um, but I went with the flashback sequence when the gang was happy and Scrappy fucking dude was with them, and it has everything to do with the fact that Scrappy goddamn dude was there. Fair enough. I I could have gone there, but I you need that so the twist at the end is it has that punch. Like you need to already be pissed that Scrappy was even here before we see him again. But I get it. Yeah. No. No. I get why they did it. It's just that I had to look at Scrappy, <laughs> and I had to find something to put down. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna do this sequence because Scrappy's on it. Uh. Okay. <laughs> All right. This is actually funny. Sugar Ray's name was thought up on the fly because they called themselves Shrinky Dinks and almost got sued <laughs> by the company that makes the toy. God damn it. <laughs> so it means nothing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, because that's what you call yourself Sugar Ray, not a bit. Okay. Let's move on to the Edwood, the worst line. <laughs> okay. Uh, mine comes. Very early in the movie. I've always thought this was the creepiest line ever. It's in the first act when they take down the Luna ghost and Pamela Anderson's there for some reason. And the uh, the ghost is unmasked and it's some creepy janitor. And he confesses his love for Pamela by saying, I'm a lover boy of George Clooney in proportions. What the fuck does that mean? I don't like Only the implications of that. that. <laughs> Only James Gunn knows what that means. Yeah, like I don't. It's creepy, and I don't like the words "proportions" in there. That's the creepiest part. It's like, are you saying you're you're like you're of similar size to George Clooney? How would you know that? I don't. It's it's can you just. Look it up? I, can you look that up? I don't know. Maybe. I don't want to look that up. Look, there's like what there's a whole I'm not gonna name it, but there's like a whole site that the dude takes like the fucking leaked nude pics and puts it online. For people to watch. Like I'm I would not be surprised if somehow people have looked 
things up that I should just stay hidden. Okay, but in 2002, how the hell did he know that? That's a good question. It's just a weird line and a creepy line and gives you it gave maybe, me a yeah maybe he assumed right it's kind of like we talked about what uh what, you know got confirmed with pete davidson because like people cared um and just, god bless like a funny guy that women like maybe he maybe historically exudes bde as we're going to call it big dick energy um he just assumed in all fairness he's probably not talking about that he's probably talking about you know Clooney was at that time, a notorious bachelor who was just sleeping his way through Hollywood. So he could just be like, I like, I don't know. I get a lot of it. I The more I think about it, the less sense it makes. Because also, he's a creepy looking dude. So there's no way this is true. Yes. Especially, there's no way someone like Pamela Anderson, especially at that time, Pamela Anderson, early 2000s, no way she's going to get with a dude like that. She had Tommy Lee at that point. Like, no. And also... Just the all-encompassing, why is this in a kid's movie? <laughs> well, because apparently James Gunn revealed that they filmed an R-rated cut of this film. That's why. And they didn't take away all the jokes. <sighs> they, should that that they should have taken that one away. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, they should have. Uh, well, so with mine, it has to do with the worst character, Scrappy. I'm saying that because Josh has emerged from his room. Josh, do you want to quickly come in here and defend why you like Scrappy? Oh, you want to make it an impromptu appearance, ladies and gentlemen? Josh, you do. He's an agent of chaos. Hello, everybody. Yes, Scrappy Doo is an agent of chaos, and I love it. He's always starting some shit, and he's always a reason why shit goes from bad to worse. If there's a reason things can fall apart, Scrappy Doo is there to make it happen. And also, he's got gigantic balls because he is not afraid of anything. And there you have it. Okay, hard to argue with that. <laughs> I get it. Right, now that Josh has properly defended his love for Scrappy, even though I disagree, um, my line involves Scrappy, and that is in the flashback sequence. When they're talking about, like, hey, ghosts aren't real, blah, blah, blah. And Scrappy is like, sure there are. When I find them, I'll give them a dose of my puppy power and then pisses on Daphne. <laughs> Fuck you, Scrappy. Fuck you so hard. Isn't Scrappy supposed to be Scooby's nephew? Yeah, I don't think Scooby likes him. Quit. Well, he didn't really put up a fight when they kicked him out of the van, did he? No. <laughs> oh, yeah, I get it. It's annoying. I'm, I like how you're pretty much zeroing in on Scrappy on this whole thing. I am. God, I fucking hate Scrappy. <laughs> <laughs> One of my earliest hatreds, and I think it has helped shape me as a person. <laughs> okay. Good to know. Yes. No. <laughs> All right. With that, the Steven Seagal worst performance. This was hard. I think every. I think our core cast are all very well cast, and they do a great job. So I don't want to go after them. So I'm giving it to Rowan Atkinson. Okay. Okay. I think if you're going to cast somebody like Rowan Atkinson, let him be a little zany. I mean, he's so reserved in this that it doesn't even feel like the same guy. I mean, granted, it's not technically the same guy as we find out in the movie, but yes, I get your point. Yeah. It's it's just, 
he's not he's not bad. He's just underwhelming. Yeah, I mean, especially because like the movie doesn't really advertise he's even in it. No, and he's and then uh, when you watch it, yeah. I'll say then when you watch it, you're kind of like, oh shit, Mr. Bean, and then you don't really get Mr. Bean antics, which I get. Yeah. Scooby Doo, but so you want some. Well, you know, a little Black Adder, a little Johnny English, something like some some sarcasm, some wit. Instead, he's just like a plot device. Yeah. Okay, that's a fair one. Um, with mine, because I'm with you. Like the cast is too good. I was no way in home putting any of the core cast here. No fucking way. Um, and I said I did. So look, I did originally have Scrappy, the voice actor Scrappy, because of how much I hate Scrappy. I decided to break the break the mold, so don't worry, I broke it. Um, and I put Pamela Anderson. Um, because hear me out. So obviously we talked about it earlier, right? The new Scooby Doo movies—they had celebrity cameo or celebrities helping the mysteries. That was kind of the joy of that gets real life stories and to help solve the mysteries. So why brings real life celebrities who are playing themselves into the film? Just for a cameo, instead of playing up on that fact, like this movie does with everything else with Scooby Doo, and have a celebrity get involved in the mystery. And so it's just like this nonsensical, nonsensical Pamela Anderson cameo. Name taking account that she's playing herself. Why is she a reporter? If she's playing herself, why is she not filming Baywatch or whatever other fucking project she was attached to in the early 2000s? <laughs> why is she a reporter? <laughs> That's a good question. And isn't she like trying to make an action figure of herself? That's what she's doing at the toy factory. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. I know I stretched that one, but I had to. So the core, like even outside the core cast, a lot of the main other main players, I'm like, they're good. Like not, not really bad. Like Isla Fisher. She's good. Um. So yeah, that's where I put Pamela Anderson. Not trying to hate on her. I know that's kind of the popular thing to do, but yes. Um, now, the Michael Bay versatile making decision. What did you put? The slang talking teenagers have always irritated me. Just the shit they say. It's I know it's supposed to be goofy and stupid, but it's just irritating. You know, yo 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 dog and shit like that. It's like oh god, I don't. I hate that every time. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. It's not even just this movie, like any movie that does that. And this is not me attacking James Gunn. He is a wonderful screenwriter, a wonderful filmmaker. And technically, I think when he did this, he would be in his 20s when he wrote this. But I would argue that as soon as you start hitting your 20s onward, you are just out of the loop on teenage slang. The moment you don't speak it, you're out of the loop because it changes so rapidly. Um, so may and now who knows? Maybe if this was like they're trying to play up the time period, maybe then yeah, it makes a little bit more sense. But yeah, if you're look, as soon as you're done, do there's a reason that the characters in Halloween, John Carpenter's Halloween, are still considered some of the most believable teenage characters we've had because you got a female or teen female teenage characters, I should say, because John Carpenter got a fucking female, Deborah Hill. To write those characters because he knew there's no way in how I can do this kind of dialogue. Finally, did figure that out with these scripts. Talk to teenagers, maybe. Well, with Scooby Doo, like I know it's supposed to be a, a joke, it's supposed to be a gag. People don't talk like that. It's, they're supposed to be monsters who don't know how people talk, so they're trying to figure it out. I get that. I just find it annoying and I don't like it. Yeah, no, I get it. in this case, I'm just saying in general, 
the overarching problem of like Hollywood never wanting to get like people even close to being teenagers to do dialogue like this when they're sure. trying to be serious and you're like, dear God. That is true. <laughs> they're clearly talking like they're in their thirties, but okay. Um no, here it kind of works like you say, because it's the creatures trying to replicate being human. But still, you do get that wonderful biatch, and you're like, wait a minute. This is PG. <laughs> yeah, that is so weird. Yeah. Um, For mine, I'll tell you what I originally had, that they even put fucking scrap in this movie. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> That's what I originally put. I was like, okay, again, I probably should hold off and not have this just be a bashing of Scrappy-Doo, since apparently Josh has a hard-on for him. And that's okay, Josh. You do you. Um. <laughs> so what I did put instead was what we talked about earlier, that the studio considered an R-rated cut initially just to wait till after they filmed it to back out. Causing a film that was marketed towards families, but had a random adult trope in it. Now, look, before you come at me, I understand. Yes, there's a lot of family films that will put in subtle adult jokes that fly over kids' heads because they know adults are going to get it, not the kids. Probably a more blatant example is Turning Red from Disney. Uh, that was just Disney. That was a, no, that was Disney Pixar. Or was that just Disney? Turning Red. Oh yeah, that was Pixar. Oh, was Pixar? Okay. Disney Pixar, obviously the most blatant example of them really kind of edging that line, because obviously, like, as an adult, you get it. You know what they're talking about. Even as a teenager, you know what you're talking about. But a little kid probably isn't going to fucking get it. Um, So I get that's been a thing. But they also go in knowing what the hell they're going to film, what the hell, you know, so they know what to cross, what line to go. This, though, was, hey, yeah, let's go for this guy. They teased James Gunn and, you know, the director, like, yeah, we'll go for that. Yeah, do that. That's cool. Let's do an R-rated take. And then, like you said, it's like they watched and saw the first hint of cleavage or a character saying fuck, maybe making a sex joke, and they went, oh, my God. This is a family property, people. We need to make it for families. So then they went in, did what they could, but then still left shit in there. Yeah, that's lazy. And I can't imagine, you know, James Gunn and the director. I know I, I love how we've talked nothing about the director, and it's just it's just James Gunn here. Like he was calling all the shots. Like twenty year old James Gunn, who's writing Scooby Doo, is making any decisions here. <laughs> but um, yeah, you imagine having to be told like everything you've done thus far has to be scrapped because the producers said it's too much. I would be so pissed. And ironically, you know, considering our technical difficulties. Speaking of being scrapped, I don't know. We'll find out when we're done, won't we? You know what's crazy? It's it's showing you in the white. I don't know if the rain ceased on my end, but god damn it, because now Yeah. It's fine now. Well, yeah, until, I'm like god until right then. But whatever. <laughs> so right then. Now you're in the red. Whatever. Power through. This or is not, through. yeah, the structure ain't great, but you know what? The content is choice. <laughs> all right all right well, what's funny is that you're in the white on mine so now it just flipped god damn it um with that let's move on to what was probably really easy for us the silver lining because we again clearly like this film much more than the critics said uh the one positive so of all the things that we found positive what did you pick ironically hone it on ironically it's the fact that scrappy's the bad guy i 
fucking hate you, but go on. I mean, it's so awesome and cathartic to just watch this little shit get his ass kicked by Mr. Inc. The fact that he, you know, he this was all his idea that James Gunn hates Scrappy-Doo as much as the rest of us. That's that's great. It's one of the greatest plot twists of my childhood is what? Scrappy's the bad guy? It's it's great. It's fantastic. And it still holds up. And he gets traded and I I hope neutered. I God. I I should have honed in on Scrappy now on my words just for that moment to you for you to be like silver lining, Scrappy deal. It's the moment. Um I no, I will give you credit. Like I know I was kind of talking about how much I hate him. A lot of my and get like in all fairness, a lot of these were nitpicks because I had to pick something for these awards. Um, I do like how again talking about earlier how they were clearly, you know, these are fans that wanted to have some fun with the property. And so it's like, yeah, James Gunn clearly doesn't like the character either. He knows the fans don't like him. So he's like, hey, let's put Scrappy in here, but he is going to be the villain. He is going to attempt to get his confidence because of how much he's been shit on, you know, in the in the game, because they don't like him either. You know, that's the whole joke. And it does it works. And um, I love that like when <laughs> You know, they, they beat him up very quickly. They're like, oh, my God, Scrappy. Yeah, let's fuck you, Scrappy. Like, the whole game's just instantly on board with this. Even Shaggy, who loves everybody. Um, and uh, I do like he gets... He, I do like, I will say, I like his clothing line when he does the... I would have gotten away with it, too. If it wasn't for you meddling sons of a... And they shut the door in their looks of, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I love Shaggy's, like, one-liner of, you know, you're a bad puppy. <laughs> just... Like he really does hate him, and they all hate him. Yeah, I like when Scooby, like he shrinks back down and he attempts to fight Scooby, and Scooby just fucking hits him and gets flips <laughs> <laughs> <Splits> him off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's great. It's a delightful ending because it's too obvious that Rowan Atkinson's the bad guy, but Scrappy, no one saw that coming. No, I do like when they are coming up with the list of suspects, and he's like, "Who's your list of suspects?" And Fred's like. And you, you, me, right? Me, I mean, right, Frank, it's because you creep me out. And he's immediately like, Oh, of course, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. obviously. <laughs> <laughs> oh, god, yeah, that made me I'm like, God damn it, <laughs> Fred. I am not shell, I like dorky chicks just as much as anyone else, something like that. Like, yeah, what, what is, I'm a man of substance, dorky chicks like you turn me on too. Yeah, that was... yeah, at first I'm like, whoa, we went with the turn me on option. <laughs> and God damn it, Fred, no, you just came off more shallow. I like how she walks off each time, like, that was a compliment. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, this is this is a decent flick. It's a fun movie. It's a very fun movie. Um that kind of that's actually a good way to kind of get into mine, because mine is I got just said this film just completely embraces the original cartoon series. It embraces the fandom. It's so clear from both behind the camera, not just with James Gunn, obviously with the director. I know we haven't mentioned Mr. Gosnell nearly as much as James Gunn, but uh, you know, behind the camera and the cast. When I was looking at the Wikipedia, it was pretty much like pointing out that almost all the core cast were fans of the show. So we got a core cast that does love the material as much as we do. Um, it's so it's very clear that they you know they were fans of the source material that they wanted to do it justice and bring it into the live action realm and do it right and you know what fuck you critics they did i thought they did their their enthusiasm shines so brightly 
in this movie and makes it so much more entertaining than it has any right to be. That's true. I yep, I'll give you that entirely. Ah, nice. So unless we got more to say, I think it's time to go on to the final segment of the evening and find out what's in the box. Well, turns out the fans that's who review stuff on Letterboxd, not critics. They love this. 3.2 out of 5 stars. Damn. That's one of our highest ones. That's one beneath the Living Daylights, which we just did on Filmgasm. That's 0.1 points beneath that. So, on par. Uh, Here are five reviews, all positive of, well, all but one, but that's, we'll get to that. (laughs) (laughs) Of Scooby-Doo, that I hope will make you laugh. This one's from Sally Dar. Fuck Palm Springs. This summer, my friends and I are heading to Spooky Island to have sex with Mark McGrath. Five stars. You mean Sugar Ray, sir? (laughs) Oh, ma'am. I'm sorry, (laughs) ma'am. I get it. Uh, Uh, All right. Hey, look, handsome man. I'll I'll, I'll say that. I'll give him that much. (laughs) Soul patch and all. Uh, he, I think he's hosting game shows now, which is what happens when you were in a popular 90s band for a couple of years. And that you have one hit single. Yeah, you host, you host game shows. <laughs> uh, this one's from Scoobert Do. Okay. I was having fun and enjoying this film until Isla Fisher's character, Mary Jane, peak comedy, pulled out a bag of Scooby snacks and said they were her favorite thing to eat. After that, my mind was overtaken by the concept of Scooby Snacks. Like, what came first, Scoobert Doo or the Snacks? Was Scooby named after the Snacks or vice versa? If they were named after Scooby, wouldn't at least Shaggy get some mad bank from royalty checks? And wouldn't Mary Jane know he's Shaggy Rogers if so? I get this is probably just a dumb plot hole, but I need to know the story. Will Hannah and or Barbara please come forward with the truth? It's 2018. The people deserve to know. Hashtag Scooby Who 2018. What the hell? That person was high as shit when they watched this. They were, because Shaggy probably named him after the snacks. Probably. (laughs) That makes sense. (laughs) He's a stoner that likes to eat dog food. Specifically Scooby snacks. I wouldn't be surprised if he just named the dog after that. This next one's my favorite. This is from Diego Crespo. He's a little piece of shit. I can tell you I hate that little motherfucker with all my heart and soul because Scrappy is just a completely fucking awful person. That's James Gunn on why he made Scrappy-Doo the villain of the first live-action Scooby-Doo movie. The movie isn't great, but this bit of history sure is. And it's got a heart. (laughs) That's that's James Gunn's reasoning. I fucking hate him. That's why. (laughs) I love how James Gunn did not hold back. He's like, I fucking hate this piece of shit character. He is the worst. Where's Josh? I need to like let Josh know that his filmmaker hates Scrappy. He is alone on his island. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right. This next one is from William. And I agree with this entirely. The Melvin Dew callback is the best joke James Gunn has ever written. Five stars and a heart. I t- I did like that. I caught that. That sounds like, oh shit, like they did a callback to Melvin Dew. Nice. 
I love that. Don't you mean Melvin do? I don't know why that's so funny, but the more I think about it, the more it makes me laugh. <laughs> it's really, yeah. Well, I think it's because like it's when they get caught in the tunnels. Yeah, like Scooby Doo, and he's like, Don't you mean Melvin do? Like, he's clearly <laughs> trying to just no, not me. Oh uh, yeah, the I love the Melvin do joke. Oh, uh, and this last one is a reference to a very popular meme involving Shaggy that's been floating around. This is from uh, Sophie. This may not be a great movie, but that's because Shaggy is only using 5% of his power. If he used all of his power, then this would be a movie so incomprehensibly powerful that the human mind would not be able to process it. Shaggy's omnipotence may create the best viewing experience in history, but we would simply combust trying to understand what we had witnessed. Shaggy is God. Two stars and a heart. <laughs> I don't fucking get that meme, but I love it. Oh, God. I disagree with her two stars, but my God, do I like how she worded that. <laughs> yeah, that's what's in the box. A lot of people love this movie. Yeah, no, I get it. Have you, uh, before I end this, have you seen the the one where, like, they took, like, interviews from, like, the, the, tour, the press tour trunket? And it's like Matthew Lillard talking about, hey, how do you answer character for Shaggy? And all of a sudden, it's him just going, I don't know, just one day I was on set, and then next thing you know, like, I think I blacked out. Like, the, the soul of Shaggy, the spirit of Shaggy took over. It was so powerful. I just, I became a victim. I'm a slave to the, the power that is Shaggy. I did see that, and I, I, I love that. <laughs> so good. I wonder if Matthew Lillard has actually, like, like said anything about the meme yet. Oh, he, he's got to know. People have got to have told him about that. I'm sure they have. I'm ah, They had to. I watched an honest trailer today for Saving Private Ryan. And you get to hear the uh, you get to hear Steven Spielberg finding out about the porn parody Shaving Ryan's Privates for the first time. I and, haven't seen that yet. So I was watching the premiere episode of Yellowstone. So, yeah, he is delighted. It's great. It was like from like five years ago on the Howard Stern show or something. But the clip is he's like, what? And like starts cackling and thinks it's like the greatest. So, yeah, I, people know about this shit. People, they, when you know, when you create something, when you star in something, people tell you about the goofy shit associated with it all the time. Oh, yeah. I'm sure someone's told him about it. I think actually that's what the interviewer saw. It was because he was talking about the multiverse game because he voiced Shaggy for that game. <laughs> And he was talking about it, so I think they. I may just not. I may not be remembering, but they. I'm sure they brought up it. Then he probably talks about it. Cool, that's cool. Yeah, good stuff. Funny meme. Good movie. Yeah, good stuff. So let's uh, let's close the book on Scooby Doo. Remember what happens next week. But first, housekeeping. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and Filmgasm Productions. If you want to shoot us a recommendation, feel free to email us at filmgasm at gmail.com. If you'd like to donate and support us in that way, you can find us on Anchor. Finally, feel free to go on our site, filmgasm.com, for reviews, trailers, uh, audio course, and all of our episodes. Now, next week, we'll be going into a more adult-oriented comedy route. So, single comedy, but up in the rating. We look at a sequel to one of the, in my opinion, greatest comedies of all time. Airplane 2. The sequel. The sequel. <laughs> ah. I uh 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I've I've only seen the first airplane. I haven't bothered with watching Airplane Two, the sequel yet. But I mean, Airplane One is hilarious. So yeah. Airplane's a classic. I personally don't think it's a disaster, but I totally understand why people hate Airplane Two because it's the same movie with worse jokes. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> Move over. I can speak Chai. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, Hector, so, Roger. Yeah, same exact. Yeah, so we'll get we'll get to it next week. But uh, yeah, this will be fun. Yes, it will. On a more somber note, on filmgasm, as you may have heard, we've lost Batman, Kevin Conroy. So we'll be uh, mourning the loss, but also honoring the legacy of the man himself. We'll look into what many consider to be his one of the most definitive Batman films ever released and no small part thanks to his contribution that's Batman Mask of the Phantasm yeah damn right it's going to be a great episode it's going to be our opportunity to say goodbye yes so join us if you are obviously still reeling from that you know tragic news over the weekend um, to mourn a, a truly great uh individual in the industry that we lost and should have been around for so much longer um yeah um on oscar sunday they'll be looking uh at one of the best venture films in my opinion and no one come at me on this because this is true the horror film seven i swear to god (laughs) i don't worry we're taking that approach it's a horror movie it's very clearly a horror movie I'm not saying y'all aren't. I know you guys definitely don't say where I'm coming from, but this is like up there with like Sounds of Lamb stuff where it's like I've had to debate with people and I'm like, guys, it's a fucking horror movie. Yeah. Seven's got some of the scariest movie scenes in fucking history. It's great and it's scary. And we're looking forward to talking about that and David Fincher's very interesting career. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm definitely looking I'm looking forward to listening to it. Um, because I quite enjoy seven. Um Great film, so yeah, that should be a lot of fun. Um, until then, if you're going to try to fake some sort of haunt to get back at someone, you could get away with it if it weren't for those meddling kids. See y'all next week on Beyond the Bad.